This episode of Everything Hurts is brought to you by Prolific. Prolific helps researchers find research participants on demand with a pool of 75,000 active participants in North America and Europe. Everything Hurts listeners who want to give online sampling a go can get $50 in free Prolific credit that they can use to recruit participants. Just go to prolific.co forward slash everything hurts. That's prolific.co forward slash everything hurts. The one thing that's really, really good to get off everything that you do is feedback. And if you do something that's really amazing to you, and you make yourself a TikTok and a twat thread like Dan, who's got twat enough to go around, and then you write a blog on top of your preprint, and then you get it published, and no one gives a shit, that either says something about you, or it says something about everyone else. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana. I'm from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, how you going? I'm fine, thank you. How yeah, are you? Good. I see you're repping the uh, the old Hurts hoodie. Yes. I put it out the night before to remind me not to forget to do podcasting. That's a good reminder. You get, you get, yeah, you get like, a, like, a, like a, you know, when you tell your kid... Take the note to school. You have to remember, otherwise they won't let you go on your field trip to the sunken coal mines of who cares. Before we get into the episode, I saw I saw you tweet something a few days ago, um, huh? which I sort of cared about, but I didn't at the same time. That was um, <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, oh I don't really care. That's okay. such Dan subtle shade. This was the um, the closure of our pub back at Sydney Uni, the Manning Bar. Yeah. Um, we we had a few beers there, and uh, yeah, good goodbye Manning Bar. And the, the first thing that I thought we're not going to cover this too much, but if if a Manning Bar at the University of Sydney is not doing well, I can imagine bars at other universities as well. So yeah, that that was um crazy news. Well, there there is a lot of recent evidence to suggest, Daniel, that the kids, quote unquote, are not really into carousing anymore. They're just, they're just some, online. I saw some figures on this the other day. Computer games are up. Um, drugs, smoking, drinking, sex, and I don't know, uh, talking, walking around, um, owning socks. I there was uh, Everything else is down. Um, smoking's way down. Um well, there's alternatives now. Well, yeah, there's there's alternatives like um, you can buy nicotine that shot straight into your eyeballs out of a webcam, for instance. That's a that's a good service. That's, that's what the kids modern. are doing these days. Yeah, yeah, web webcam based drugs. It's uh, uh, it's definitely not a thing that I just made up. We need to bring back. So, the, um- well, maybe maybe there's something there with the like the the, the Manning bars being dead. Maybe that's part of it. I would say that makes sense. It's not the demand. But I I think the problem always was that it was designed as a venue and in many respects was a grim shithole. For our first uh, segment, um, we're going to talk about rejection. Rejection when it comes to paper rejections, grant rejections, and job rejections. So I wanted to ask you, James. And, And Tinder. Apparently, that has a lot of rejections. Does it? Well, I read about it on the internet, so the it internet. must be true. Yeah, we have, we have to ask the, uh, the the youth how this all works because I, I, I have no idea. 
Um, but when it comes Honestly, to- Honestly, neither do I, but it's not going to stop me speculating. Let's, specu- let's speculate away because that, that, that's what we specialize in here on Hertz Podcast. I'm but- professional and uninformed. So. I'm, I'm professional and uninformed. Got to bring out that T-shirt series. Uh, when it comes to paper rejections, James, how do you- When you get the paper rejection in your inbox, how do you deal with it? What is your- How do you process this? Honestly, it's hugely variable. I don't have a lot of the- uh, A lot of people seem bothered by rejection in- all circumstances. And one of the things I, I wish with my various communications in the public, if there's something that I could teach people, I never really fancied myself in the role of educator, more kind of table pounding martinet and bastard, occasional loudmouth. We've never attempted to make this podcast a global phenomenon because I don't think that's really of interest to either of us. It's niche. It's unprofessional and uninformed, mm-hmm. etc. So I don't think you've ever really, as much as you love it when people look right at you and clap, I don't think that was ever really the goal of <laughs> Abs- absolutely of this. not. We wouldn't do. We wouldn't so, do it around this topic. So, if there's one thing I do fancy teaching people, though, it's how not to give a shit about things that happen to you in your daily life. How not to get upset by circumstance. But would you say that to someone whose job is riding on this? No, of course I wouldn't. That's also the not the vast majority of submissions to a place. What I'm saying is like it's all right to be annoyed. It's all right to be inconvenienced because I mean being annoyed is the natural consequence of having done the effortful behavior and being inconvenienced or seriously inconvenienced in your example there is literally what's happening. So having an emotional response to that is normal. But some people feel emotionally very affected by things like this. I wish I knew how to teach people not to to care, to have that th- that particular component of the strong rejection thing. I wish I wish I knew how to communicate that properly. But I've never seen anyone else really communicate that well either, so I'm not particularly bothered by it. The variable responses, I suppose there's a few. If it's a matter of this paper's lying around, it probably should go somewhere so I can justify the fact that I do work for money. It's a lot of, oh, well, how sad. Mm, I suppose so. But a lot of the time it's dramatically more annoying. I am angered and annoyed by this happening because a lot of the time – Fitting something to a journal, I don't like dealing with the perpetual merry-go-round of silly bullshit. So the fit of anything that I write to anything, any particular journal that's going to find a happy home somewhere is usually pretty optimal. I'm rarely firing in the dark. I'm rarely saying, oh, it seems about right. It's thematically built out of it, probably cites other articles in the journal because they're directly relevant. On and on it goes. So that's a baseline level of annoyance. Past that, if the rejection is dumb or spurious, I was incensed the other day because we have a preprint that never, um, it's something from my PhD that I, I just, it was preprinted. It's been rejected from three different journals. A paper that is significantly less careful doing exactly the same thing with exactly the same sample size was accepted at clinical autonomic research, which is an okay journal. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fine. 
You know, I you know I'm not big on the the, the hierarchy of these things. I'll, I'll say that I can recall papers I've read out of it that I liked very much, and this was a nothingy kind of paper, and it was it was less like something something went wrong as well. Um, basically, ours is ours is better, and I can literally prove that. <laughs> That's not. It, it, I'm I'm perfectly serious. I can I can literally prove that ours is better. So in situations like that where you're you're subject to the unfairness of it, I usually have the same response to all things that contain this sort of lack of equity, and I guess I don't get a lot of it because like things like that really piss me off. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure sometimes where the I, I I think that some people who get into research culture have spent a lot of time being good at scholastic sorts of tasks and they've written an awful lot of things and other people have told them that they're clever and they've got good responses and then it comes to writing research for the general scientific audience. And you send it to a journal and you get the wrong editor and they send it back. And it's a desk rejected with a thing that says, we're not interested in that, even though they published something that made it directly relevant two months ago or something similar. Did you see that journal that pub- that rejected that paper? Um, the paper was doing research on the cognitive effects of Ramadan or race uh, or, or, um, fasting during the, uh, the, the Muslim uh, uh, religious period. And the um the the editor whether this was a stock standard response or not it, it was mm. still out of taste. The editor was like, I don't see how this is relevant to uh to 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 the world population, despite the fact there's a billion <laughs> there's a billion Muslims. <laughs> it's not okay, 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 okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not relevant to the world population. I don't remember the exact wording, but it was basically unless, saying, going, I, I don't I don't see what the interest is here. I don't see what the interest is here. Like it's it's not generalizable. <laughs> It's not. It's not generalizable. Okay, right. So if it's it's generalizable to the twenty seven people in the Anglosphere, it's somehow not generalizable yeah. to, <laughs> for instance, crazy. the entire country of Indonesia. Yeah, it's just- right. Um, well, that's obvious. I mean, that's double stupid. That's that's it. That's an impressive two barrels of loaded stupid. Because not only is that wrong on its face, but fasting in the context of body composition and life extension and its interaction with other forms of calorie restriction and macronutrient diet composition is a huge topic of interest. There are long-term primate studies on fasting and they cross over with the intense interest in uh, calorie restriction, life extension stuff over time. It has other implications for like, everything down to what do people eat, uh, and and how does it uh, how how does that manifest as a problem? Um, you know, in the in the context of in the context of like, like bad diet behavior and um, uh, potentially it's like the diet food restriction and the dietary uh, dysmorphia, shit like that. Um, yeah, it's, see, it's I would say if I, if I was a person like that, I mean, like dealing dealing with rejection. What can what can you do? I mean, should we not talk about what's the best thing to do in context? 
Well, some people I've heard their strategy is um, a, a rejection is just an invitation to make an appeal. And this was completely well, okay, new to me. Well, well, sure, sure, sure. Look, I've done that and it's worked before. How many but, times? But, uh, maybe three or four. And it's it worked how many times? It didn't, it didn't work once. But yes, that also crosses over with the idea of publishing things that are highly critical of other people in the first place. Okay. Yep. So the journal bounces that and you, and you, you obviously have the ability to write back and say uh, like your fear of criticism is, is one thing. The accuracy of the paper is another. And don't tell me to go back and write a letter. It's a 3,000 word paper. I'm not turning it into a 400 word letter. If you want to do that, just fucking, you know, rip off, rip off the top fifth of it or something, <laughs> roll it up into a cone and push it up your dick. I don't, I don't care about your feelings. Um, so every single time that, that kind, that will follow you around. And if you're like most people and you publish in the same sort of like four to eight journals of primary interest, there's only so many editors and you do that for the first half dozen papers that you think you're a pain in the ass. The other thing is, if you've made a very careful determination of that in the first place, then your ability to appeal that, you're like just write an appeal is like saying just write a grant. What kind of grant? To whom? For how much money? How long does it take to write? What resources do you have access to? So if it's a really dumb out of hand appeal and you think the fit is really good and you also can't be asked to shop it around elsewhere, potentially to journals where it doesn't fit as well, mm. then- yeah, absolutely right back. But I do not hold with the idea of argue the toss with every single thing uh, for the reasons I said and partly out of compassion for the editors. It sucks being an editor yeah. right now. Yeah. It's like, oh, review's unpaid. Motherfucker, being an editor is unpaid. And then they have to deal with all of you people at all different random angles, you know? I'm doing service. Well, they're doing more service and you're making their, their service more difficult with your job. So, you know, rein it the fuck in a bit, please. And you hear stories of editors, um, people somehow finding their office numbers and them calling them up, uh, getting angry at the fact they rejected oh, papers. Yeah. That's there's mental. A, there's a certain kind of old guy who yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, has tricks like that, you know, and will tell you after the second beer in conspiratorial tones what a difficult prick they really are. You know, and in the absence of slipping LSD into their beer and watching the fireworks, there's <laughs> probably not a lot you can learn about strategy from someone like that if you want to keep your goddamn friends. You're not starting your career in 1970. It's right now. Mm. Um, I have asked editors previously for more clarity on stuff, and that's occasionally helped. When you say more clarity, as in um, you got a bunch of reviews back and you weren't sure what they were trying to get at got, or got a rejection? got reviews, the paper got bounced, and the editor says, we do this thing. And you're like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do with this? I mean, this is it, – it depends. Like, do you think that's well, like, can the thing? Can you see your way past this really stupid comment here that seems to be the crux of the argument? Look, there are ways to engage with it that aren't immediately going, no, I want my thing. Give me my toys. Which is what it's going to sound like if you do it every single time, mm. um, you know. And that's, that's also there's totally unpredictable circumstances. You send it to uh, two or three uh, reviewers who don't really get it, and you send it to an editor who sends it to the wrong review. You send it to an editor who doesn't care about your topic area. 
I know there's a lot of stuff I'd desk reject if I was an editor, and some of it would be horribly confusing to the people who sent it to me. Why? It followed these rules perfectly. Yeah, the rules are bogus and you're wasting your time, so don't fight me. I'll come <laughs> around to your house and headbutt your pets. Are you an associate editor for any, any journal? No, no one's ever asked me and I've never volunteered. Okay. Why? I'm, cu- I'm just curious. Because you are, aren't you? Yeah, for- the Journal for- of Toilet Studies? I am for- uh, BMC Psychology and for Journal of Psychophysiology. Oh, there you go. Well, see, maybe your career is doing amazingly or maybe uh, you have more people to work with, you publish more stuff. You're in the system more than me, sonny boy. Also, my publications are spread across three completely disconnected fields, so that doesn't help with, <laughs> you know, you send them three manuscripts in a year, they want you to be an AE, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, he'd make a good editor. One, probably not. Two, just don't do it anyway. Save you the trouble of getting a no. If anyone asks me to be an editor because of this podcast, I will reply to your email just with the word <laughs> no full stop. Is this because um, it's not a journal that's not entirely, like if there was a shit hot journal that was entirely in your wheelhouse, wh- whatever that may be, would you be interested- isn't. There isn't, but what if, what if okay, there was? Okay, so if there was a hypothetical journal- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would I become the editor of a hypothetical journal or, or, you're or, just designed to be more interesting? Or, yes, probably I would. Or an, asso- or, or an associate editor. Okay, yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's all it's all shouldering the same kind of- It's all shouldering the same kind of burden for the, the day-to-day operation. So, I mm. put more stock in than- I, I, I've seen too many strategic plans to do something. You know, someone comes in, the, the head of some society, a new, new EIC, and they, they, they write something, some screed about how incredibly grateful they are and how much fantastic work that it would absolutely fuck all changes. Um, it's, it, it's not at all uncommon. Um, so... I mean, you do get the papers are not even the if you want to plumb the depths of rejection, and we leave a, leave aside the tenders because none of us really know what it is to be quite honest. Um, I'm sufficiently old now; I can say I saw it on someone's phone a couple of years yeah. ago, um, and the men on it seemed deeply embarrassing, both to me and to the woman who was looking through this catalog of trolls um, and men holding fish. Why do men hold fish? fish? Wow. I, I don't know. know. Is it some kind of it's some kind of primal bullshit no. and it's like I I'm read, a, I'm a hunter gatherer. Maybe you're very proud of your rod, maybe. I, 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 <laughs> maybe I read a thing code. I read a thing that's Fuck you, that was funny. I demand you laugh immediately. <laughs> I read a thing where someone did an analysis, some some data scientist who, who was on one of these platforms did an analysis. I don't know how they did it, but basically did like A B testing on what actually gets um uh people saying yes. And they figured out you need three photos. One by yourself, one holding an animal, preferably a furry one, and one with your mates. That if you have those magic three things, and I think that story came out and everyone's doing it, which now completely defeats the purpose and everyone's doing it, it devalues the whole idea. Of course. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a a lesson there for academia in general. If you have a strategy and the strategy becomes known and everything is oversubscribed, and and Twitter is- a lot like publishing. Twitter. Uh, what's a uh, fucking Tinder, right? Um, it's a lot like publishing in that you have an asymmetrical market. 
a hugely asymmetrical market. You, so you have a lot of people. I mean, that's why they designed that whole other one where uh, the uh, women have to initiate contact. So I don't remember what it's called. But Bumble. B? I was about to say. I was about to say honey. But honey. Uh, it, but, it doesn't. It buzz? doesn't. Matter. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? You can see. Why don't say you can see why that started. Because it's capitalizing on that asymmetry. I mean, it's a business idea, not as a like women want to avoid the um, pot- potential discussions with creeps and perverts, which of course makes sense on its face. So you have an awful lot of researchers in the world trying to sell their wares, essentially, to someone who's extremely critical. Um. Maybe that would be a good idea for avoiding rejection because you never find out on one of these. The whole point of this is that you both mutually agree that something's mm. interesting. Like, I really want to meet Shayla. I enjoy the teeth she has left. <laughs> and and her truck nuts branded crop top seems to me to be opposite. Perhaps we should talk. <laughs> and then she sees yours and she's like, oh, well, I've, I've never met many seven-foot Romanians with acromegaly. This would be an interesting cultural experience. So James, I, I think you might be onto something. Well, it, to me, it, it makes sense. I mean, I've, look, think, think about the sort of like market pressure kind of dynamic that's going on here. You're spared the – like unless you initiate a conversation – where that uh, and that's not that doesn't happen unless you have mutual agreement in the first place. You never find out about the people who looked at you with your fish if you are a presumptively heterosexual man. You never find out about the women who look at your fish and go, "Oh, it's fish guy," and then they um. I don't know which way you swipe, but the one that means you the disappear good one. never the good to way. return, or the bad one. Yeah, yeah, the bad one. Yes, right. You know what this means, though. This gives. So, I mean, imagine, imagine there was a marketplace like that where it was it was a matter of like you submitted to multiple journals at the same time, and the and first then, journal that says yes, yeah, and gets then there's a matter of uptake. Okay, yeah. if if and you're listening to the episode, everything. James and I have already trademarked this and and gotten the property, so don't even try. <laughs> Actually, when we release this, it becomes prior art, so anyone can do it. Brush up on your copyright law, son. No, we're going to do it before we release it. So it's oh the, the right. Ship, okay, we're going to do it it's before done. we release it, which is next Monday. Okay, yeah, we well, can do you this. Better, can do, you can better get to the coding, motherfucker. I hope your Java's improved because oh, apparently we have all the work to do in the whole world. <laughs> we do. Look, this is seriously a good idea, and I saw a really good there demonstration have, there of this. There have been experimentations with this before previously, like the idea of this is a marketplace. I, I thought about it. Not something that's peripherally related some years ago, I put a bit of time into sort of sketching around how it would work. The problem, as always, is the social problem of how do you convince people in an entrenched system to take up something new? Well, I saw- I mean, a re- There has to be a dramatic benefit for everyone or I, it, I, it doesn't happen. I saw a really good example. Um, Josh from Sight, um, which we discussed in an episode, um, I think 20 episodes ago, has written a paper- he, he explained this on Twitter, and it was essentially looking at um, the types of scientific articles that are cited in Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia is obviously a, a big source of information for the lay public mm, and also for yeah. scholars as well. 
And mm-hmm. he, looking at his, um, basically, if you, you can look, look back into the past episode, but Cite looks at the quality of citations. Has this paper been replicated? Um, has this, is this paper in doubt? Um, or has this paper just been mentioned a lot of times? So, essentially, by the sounds of what he's described on Twitter, he's applied this to the, the, the top 5,000 articles in Wikipedia that cite papers saying, what is the evidence base like on, um, on these papers when it comes to the types of papers they're citing? And he was explaining that it was uh, rejected from um, from two separate journals. Um, but then in the comments, I saw about four different editors going, send it to me. This sounds amazing. Yeah. So, it actually shows you once you actually put this stuff out there that there are people. So, th- this, this kind of marketplace where you put your idea out mm. there and then other journals can bid, um, it's not completely far-fetched. I don't think it's a matter of bid as much as you need to- you need to have a like having a mutual agreement sooner is in everyone's best interests mm. because the idea of sending it so it can be approved to be assessed yeah of course yeah, is, it's, a, it's a, is a is a bottleneck that can be made to go away i thought you wanted to talk about rejections in terms of feelings not in the, ter- the terms of like how do we have a structural discussion about how to kick rejection down the hall no I-, I was thinking both uh, i was thinking more just mm. the practical how to actually deal with it um i see a lot of people discuss it online i mean p- personally when i get like a bad rejection i just i just don't think about it for a week <laughs> i see the thing i see the, fir- the first few sentences is unfair and mm. uh, and then I'll I'll revisit it a week later and actually see. Um, okay, let, let, let's let's just start revising this. Um, Honestly, or- I've I've found yeah. Okay, well you put it down for. I think a lot of people do that, and so they're not having an initial emotional response, which is fine. Mm. I think rejections for grants that are good ideas and good fits for funding bodies and would transform workplaces or for fellowships are orders of magnitude more unpleasant to deal with than individual papers. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you have the, the, the initial shock of somebody doesn't like me, my feelings, but you those those become the real like, the real situations in long pants, you know? Those are the really adult rejections. Because a lot of the time, I mean, when it comes to really large grants, it determines whether or not you can employ people who work for you in the first place a lot mm, of the time. A lot riding on it. Well, yeah. So, I mean, then you have to look people in the face. Like every single one of those rejections is a lot of the time is, is someone getting fired or not employed in the first place, which is substantially more abstract, but it means that you're never going to have that relationship to do that work. So, what do you think of that in that context? What do you think of this idea of grant lotteries? When people's jobs are riding on these big grants- do you still think this idea where, you know, 10 years, not 10 years, five years ago, people would go grant lotteries, that's a bit ridiculous. But now this idea is coming more into the mainstream. I saw there was a paper recently where they've trialed this or they've trialed the attitudes towards this in New Zealand and they're yeah. like, let, let, let's do it. But then I only really thought about that in the context of we're going to get money to do a project rather than we're going to get money to make sure these three staff continue to be employed. It feels a little okay, bit- like, Okay, yeah, 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 fine. Fine, no, Captain no, I'm, I'm asking hat. the question. Well, the the answer to the question is reasonably straightforward. You're replacing something that is something that where, where you're you're talking about differences in measurement fidelity that aren't real. That is the best. That is the second best. That is the ninth best. That is the fourteenth best. The inherent ranking of what is good enough to do that particular uh, right. 
you are you are making decisions that are split up between things that you can't determine. It is literally unfair, right? However, it masquerades as a decision that is based on some kind of considered equity. And anyone who's reviewed a grant, which I have done now, will tell you that grant review, while taken substantially more seriously than peer review, is still subject to the inherent biases, annoyances, and general circumstances of the people doing the review in the first place. Sure. It doesn't mean that it's fair right through to the end. No, if you if you replace that with something where you say this is literally, this is literally unfair. One, you have the acceptance of the fact that there isn't someone that's telling you you're not good enough. In fact, if you're in the lottery, they're telling you that you are good enough, but they don't have enough money. That's literally what's being conveyed. Right? Mm-hmm. And the the idea that you're making the decision where your criteria for inclusion is good enough to fund, fundable in an ideal world, I honestly think, I have no evidence to support this, but it's I, I call it a strong conjecture that if you're from a smaller university or you don't say, uh, when it comes to the sort of like resources and backup area thingy of the grant. A mm. lot of the time, I've listed things before on grants like that, and I think, oh, yep, yeah, okay, I do have access to a supercomputing cluster. And I can see under a very tortured sort of connected series of observations how that might become important. But that's going into a big section of are you sufficiently fancy? That's what that amounts to, Right. And if you're at uh, South Central Frognuts, Indiana, and you have access to the exact same sort of human and general technical resources, but you don't have a supercomputer, that's going to affect the bullshit ranking up the top. It's not going to affect the general acceptability of the grant. Sure. So I wonder if there is a big step for reducing the, instead of the, in, it, it's it's replacing the kind of, this, in a situation like this, there's smart equity and there's dumb equity. The smart equity, like, do you have enough experience in the area to do the work? Have you proposed something that's realistic? Does the budget make sense? Can it actually be done? Is it scientifically interesting? Is it sufficiently novel? Or depending on some grant agencies, sufficiently boring, right? <laughs> then you add on top of that all the dumb equity. Well, you're a fancy person at the fancy place. It means mm. a lot less than people think it does. And the general acceptability- yeah, the good equity is primarily built out of the inherent qualities of the plan and the idea. And all the dumb equity is built out of tinsel and 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 fancy Ivy League McFuck. Right, now that may be overly simplistic and it may not pan out that way. I think it will and I, I hope it will. I just don't have any evidence for that. So- I'm also biased here because the um the 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 meta science conference conference grants that came from the Franklin Fetzer Foundation they uh, I submitted two with different people and they went into a lottery and I got both of them. So, so you love lotteries. <laughs> lotteries are great. No, no, no it's just uh, I know that that has a component emotional <laughs> to it because I really wanted to do that work and we started working on both projects. I really wanted to do it. It didn't need a lot of money, um, and then the lottery went okay. So the odds were in your favor. 
Well, yeah, apparently. Um, maybe that has emotional consequences beyond what I can access. You're like you have a big positive experience. You get the two emails at the same time that both start with like congratulations. That's amazing. But also, but also there's a there's a that that also it has an ego check built into it. Because it says, congratulations, you were selected at random. And by the way, I'm not a Nigerian prince. But obviously, they were, they were having a system where you had to reach a certain standard in order to actually reach a lottery. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, yes. so then like, it's yes, not absolutely. like you were like, completely and they did, Bra- and Stephen they Bradbury did bounce, your way into it. And they did. No, you definitely. It's, you can't Bradbury a proposal like that. They did bounce a reasonable proportion of the applications because they thought that's not a very useful idea. It's not a very good idea. It doesn't do what we want. And yeah. I had two clear ideas that I thought fit very closely with what they wanted to do. Look, I think I've said this before. We're doing both of I think that for grant agencies, there should be a um, 80, uh, 50-50 where 50 does goes the traditional way and 50 goes lottery for people who actually reach the standard. Um, just a, a part of me still feels a bit sort of uncomfortable about doing a full lottery. But at the same time, what you can do here is this is actually – somewhat of um, a, a randomized trial of seeing how these actually how, how these uh, projects actually perform 10 years time look back and you can look at the impact between the two different projects and actually see whether um, each project had, had differences in okay. the sort of outputs there it's right. it's so got you a compare, pseudo randomized you, you, you compare the, the 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 immeasurable thing with the randomized thing yeah and then later you compare them on metrics that aren't really real. And then to, <sighs> I mean, to do that, you'd have to get a grant yourself because you're now proposing hopefully quite a large lottery. longitudinal project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, God, we're in a Russian doll situation. Welcome to 2020. It's the Methodological Terror Zone. As research progresses and we find out more about the best way to deploy the measurements that we take from the world. A series of concerns have arisen around whether or not data collected in survey platforms on the internet to do research is representative, ethical, and trustworthy. One company who is endeavouring to answer those specific questions, which are pretty good questions, is Prolific.co. Go to prolific.co slash everything hurts and get $50 of free trial credit and pilot yourself a study. See what you can find. There's no risk except maybe, well, maybe the arse will fall straight out of your favorite hypothesis and you'll have to start thinking about what you're researching from scratch. Sorry about that. But disappointment can be more accurately yours and sooner and in a more trustworthy manner with prolific.co the exclusive supporter of the Everything Hurts podcast. Welcome back to Everything Hurts. Um, and we're going to do a new section, and um, this is called um, Old Man Yelling at Clouds. James. <laughs> what, James is in that's a cue to be an old man yelling <laughs> at a cloud. Yelling we at a cloud. We have a hundred something back episodes where I play that role very well, Daniel. But now, now, now you're changed playing it explicitly. My, I, I've changed my twat profile to, to, to be literally about yelling. The, you, the yelling birds. Yeah. I'm a huge oh. fan of yelling birds. Um, they're so abstract and horrible. 
I've got a little, I don't know what it is. I thought he might be a ptarmigan, and then someone told me I was wrong. It's a little birdie, Just and it said, talk to I, bird, am, bird I am going to deal with this problem by yelling, and I saw it, and I thought, I, I need that in my life. Um, <laughs> it needs to be close to me. Um, and I replaced my own face with a yelling bird. What do we do in this section, Dan? Uh, Gee, I, I love all the different sort of sub-research cultures on Twitter. Like you think, oh, my, my work's really niche, and then you find something that's just even nicher. Like people doing, yeah. Yeah. Cut, cut, What's the craziest cutlery, niche? Yeah. cutlery Twitter was my favorite discovery. Okay. Do tell. There's an entire Twitter subculture down devoted to cutlery. They're very fond just of talk, uh, just tableware. Talking about cutlery. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I imagine guess there's it, I, a lot of fork puns, as in fork off and tell me what I'm supposed to be doing in this segment. I guess you, you – yeah. <laughs> we were going to be talking about um, public engagement. Um, we, we agree on, on a lot of stuff, but there's a few things that we disagree on, and we, we disagree on ways of actually doing Whether public engagement. Like Is that right, James? I'm a human being in that hat. Um, I don't – no, it's, I, I don't think we necessarily have a disagreement here, as in I think you've got your head stuck up your big fat ass. Okay. But in a nice way, in a fun way. Okay. <laughs> so, on. this is- you, you posted something on the twats a while ago. We do a lot of twat content now, don't we? But I guess it's appropriate for both of us. Been working on this oxytocin opinion article on and off for two years. The preprint has been downloaded 400 times. Not bad. Took me 10 minutes to make this TikTok video. Thank you for supporting uh, Chinese business and data who ranked down. With the same overall message of the article, it's had 21,000 views and a face that looks like it just shit itself. <laughs> so, it's had 21,000 views. So, I would pose the question to you in return, who gives a fuck? People have seen and watched and seen the message. People who. Right? So, the, the whole nice thing about the TikToks, I have read about it. I mean, I haven't used mm. it. I read about it on tech blogs because mm. it's interesting how people communicate is interesting. It's an mm. open sort of platform. You don't have to follow someone to see them alone, right? Twitter is a sort of a half open platform because it's an algorithm that will recommend you stuff from uh, people who are in your network. I can see it doing this all the time. Right? You, someone says something, you say something else to them, and then it says you might enjoy uh, the brain scattered musings of whoever this is who is directly related to the person you were just talking to. Well, TikTok does the opposite of Twitter. So, Twitter is more you follow people and you occasionally get stuff put in your feed. TikTok is more about discovery, but you can still follow people. So, following people is secondary. Yes, yes, whereas- yes, yes. Everyone knows this now because everyone listening to this is younger than us, potentially. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, if, or if they're not, they're probably significantly more contemporary. So- what what did that do? See, I, I think you have I think you have views on the brain. I think you have volume of exposure on the brain. And that it's far less important than you think it is. It's been seen twenty one thousand times. What impact has it had? Now, obviously that's not measurable. So I'll rephrase that to what impact do you think it's had, Captain Hat? <laughs> okay. The overall message of the paper is that oxytocin isn't a cuddle hormone. It isn't a love hormone. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't, in fact, a social hormone or exclusively a social hormone. This is something that I've been trying to promote. That is what the evidence says. And I think 
oxytocin treatment or the potential for oxytocin treatment is going to be stuck in a rut for as long as we think that it's a social hormone because I don't think it exclusively is. Um, yet for a lot of people, this is quite a new idea. Even within my field, this is a new idea, let, let alone the broader scientific community. And so I've been saying this for, for about a year or two um, and uh, primarily through, through, through this paper, which has kind of been the, you know, the, 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 the final sort of output of, of, of my thoughts. Um, and yeah, like I said, only about 400 people have seen it or, or, or read the paper or just downloaded the paper. Okay. Um, yet when I make this thing, when I demonstrate this 21, in a 21,000 random people have seen it. Okay. So, who is, yeah. who is more important to the promotion and life cycle of your idea? The 400 people who read your preprint or 21,000 cross-eyed drug adult teenagers? <laughs> uh, the majority of the 20,000 was actually through Twitter. A couple of thousand via TikTok itself, but the majority actually through Twitter. So, yeah. basically, you've just put the same format on another content. Yes, thing. but the format the the, me- the 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 format is the medium. Yeah, um, it'd be boring as shit just watching me go. This is uh, this is oxytocin, and I've tried that before, and it doesn't get many views. I'm, I'm I'm trying all different things in order to actually talk about my research, but doing it in this different format where it's a little bit goofy, um, and people kind of see that it's a TikTok video, so it's going to be a little bit different. Um, makes it makes it a little, a little bit different, yeah. So now people, and the good thing about actually using this format on Twitter is it's easy for me to go, hey, well, here's the video. Here's the video. He, if you're really interested, here's the actual paper. Yeah, a, a lot of people were arguing with, arguing with me. It, it was amazing. I had so many people actually go, this I've never heard this before. Both from complete randoms who didn't seem like they're scientists, just just going by their Twitter profiles, to doctors, to lecturers to researchers, to people who are going to include this in their curriculum. This was a completely new thing. And I get what you mean, what matters more. I think they both matter. Hmm. Okay. So, you're actually taking up an argument that we previously had, where you said, blogs are terrible, you should write a long, <laughs> no, 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 no. pile of tweets. <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't agree with that, did no, you? No, of course I didn't agree with that because the whole, the whole point of writing a blog in the first place is that it's sufficient to explain the details to people who care, but it's also approachable. It's like you, we can imagine some vague kind of spectrum that goes paper, preprint, blog, a mess of twats, TikTok. Yeah, sure. Right? And, and they all- they all matter. Yes, of course. I think. They all have they all have directionality to them. What you said is don't write a blog, write a series of twats. Now, there are only two the two problems with that that I think I originally said. Happy to be corrected, but I'm almost certain I yelled this right at your face because that's generally how we communicate. Is that it's very easy to write a series of twats if you've already written a blog. Well, I think it's is easy it to do the other way around. Oh, for Christ's sake. You don't think so? No, you, don't, you, you, you think you, you have those other elements to preparing a document. You want to put images in. You want to think about the ho- how the whole thing is structured. You tear all of that out. There's no spare verbiage in tweets. Even one of your ones where you say, "I've I've written a paper and here's 37 tweets and why you should care about it as well." I mean, everyone's very happy for you, but I I don't know how many people are reading through the the, the whole way. So when I can it comes tell. to I can tell levels when it comes to sort of levels of engagement like that, I mean you have to match the right thing. But the idea of abandoned this that provides like a serious part of your public identity that's all stored in the same place, that's all about the same kind of thing. The idea of abandon that 
and just write tweets which sink eventually. I mean, how, what's the life cycle of a tweet? Very long for me. Oh, fuck off. Very long. The vast well, you, ma- you, you asked me the major- question. The vast majority of them are not. It's like every now and then someone goes through your horrible little nest of pigs and they find <laughs> something from nine months ago. My website. They have some version of a second life. The vast majority of, of yeah. them, the vast majority of them, people pay attention to from the sort of. Uh, it's a volume hours, thing. Two hours from a short one. Yes, and you've never had a problem with your fucking volume, have you? <laughs> two hours from a short thing to a, a couple of days for something that people take a great interest in. Let me say this, though. I'm not arguing that we shouldn't be blogging. My argument you is. You fucking were. No, listen, my argument is that um, tweet first, then blog. Tweet first because it's quicker. Yeah, it's quicker. And a lot of times people will either tell me, can you convert this into a blog? I'm like, oh, maybe it is time to convert this into a blog or I convert it into a blog anyway. Rather than you think it seems to be easier to blog first, then tweet. That's one way of doing it, but I think that takes more time. One, one thing I do agree with you is it is the benefit with blogs is that you have all your thoughts in one place. People can go to your blog website, or wherever that may be, Medium or whatever you do, and they can find all your things together. That is good. Hey, and exclusive. Also- there you are. March 19th, 2019. You should use a Twitter thread to announce new papers instead of a blog post. Yeah, new papers. Yeah, I, that, 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 that I still agree with. Instead. Not, not you should coordinate the two, but instead. Instead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I stand by that. But Shite. if you, <laughs> I stand by that. But if you're doing it, and if there is a lot of interest, then it's very easy, or you should be converting that into into a blog post. So that I still do stand by. And the other thing to consider as well is that um, Twitter is better for early career researchers because blog posts and blogging better suits people who have been doing it for a long time, such as yourself. Do yeah. What for You've a got long a, time? Blogging. Well, then how the fuck are you ever supposed to start? No one has a fucking time machine. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. But people who want to get started, people who are PhD students who are looking at this going, do I blog or do I tweet? There are some blogs, yeah, like if it's a first or your second blog, which go absolutely bananas. But that's more likely to happen with a tweet. Mm. I'll so give you blogging- one small concession. I think blogging requires- I think you you have to have something that's a lot more- Complete, unless you look, it's a referent to something else. I think you they work best when you have something that's substantially more complete and they're voiced properly. It's sure. not straightforward, and the only reason that I can write them fast is because I mean, I had a fucking website full of like horrible shit that I wrote uh, 20 years ago or something. So, I've had an awful lot of practice of putting me into words rather than just being unpleasant on the audio waves. So, mm. it's possible that as much of course a lot of it isn't any good, it's, it's possible that I have an outsized amount of confidence in how easy that is to do. Because I know the idea I- of like writing something that's in casual or looser language is, is kind of scary for a lot of people. That they're, they're just, it's not even a matter of I don't want to put myself out there as much as like, fuck, how would I choose to express this? Mm. In what format would this- No, you don't have that because there's, there's very little verbiage in tweets. There's nothing that goes round the side, you know? It's not really written anymore in a, in a, in a very like, specific sense of the word written. 
in the sense that it, it's a, a lot of the time it's a series of, of pieces of interconnected information. Yep. Rather it, what than I realized is a document. It's very much like a BuzzFeed article. A BuzzFeed article can almost be separated into separate tweets. It's vaguely connected ideas. And I think that's probably what explains, I don't know if it's, but BuzzFeed's now turned into a, a respectable news organization. It's not just, you know, which Disney character are you type stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much easier, I think. You're Snow White. Because uh, <laughs> midgets lick you when you sleep. I, I, I'm actually getting an education in Disney princesses now. Oh, with which, is your, which is your favorite Disney princess? I, I like Moana. Really? She's, she's, she's baller. I, I, I saw that. A while back, the, yeah, I've seen one Disney film now, because someone it- assured me that it wasn't this, the 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 same kind of geriatric cross-eyed pandering retread of a story that used to be fun that everyone else. I mean, you read the originals of all of these stories are these grotesque uh, morality plane nightmares from <laughs> like, two hundred years ago. Such racism. Do you know how? Do you know how Hansel and Gretel ends in the original? They get eaten or something? No. Um, they, they, they force the evil witch to dance in burning iron shoes until she dies. Yeah, dark stuff. I have Coffins albums that are, that are <laughs> less brutal than that. Um, a great Japanese death metal band, if anyone cares. And um, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the original version, like what, what, I, what I like to call the full German version. Of Hansel uh, and Gretel, because it was originally, yeah, not, originally a German fable, is that right? They're not messing around. Um, well, oh, they, they come from a variety of different places. I think some of them are more transcribed or adapted by the original authors rather than, um, you know, but they were, they were folk uh, narratives mm. uh, well before they were literature. So, I'm not 100% sure how it works. Um, we should have a literary person on to explain why technically you're wrong and why um, <laughs> the one from The Beauty and the Beast doesn't have Stockholm Syndrome. We have to find out. Uh, we don't have to find out. It would just be much more fun than our usual bullshit. Speculation. Look, I, I, sub- I tell you what I do support out of your um, ridiculous attention-seeking ways. I think that there is I'm, – I'm not unpositive on any platform. Like, I saw a few people going, why would you make a TikTok? You're a naughty man in a dumb hat. Now, that is true. <laughs> but the first part, why would you make a TikTok? You can put any communication into anything, and I think that, especially if you want to communicate broadly, it is good to understand how people are doing that. And this is very, very, very popular. Now, it might be hoovering up your data. Um, you know, just just Google, uh, just Google uh, network security TikTok, and you can read all the stories about that. As I have some fairly substantial reticence about that. Um, that being said, assuming that they aren't putting you into a big database that will be used to identify you for thought crimes, there is an appropriate format to do that. And it comes with more component attention at a more superficial kind of level. And that changes all the way through to people who read your papers really carefully. And then every now and then someone will email you with very specific questions about it. And then in a way you become friends, science friends. So- I mean, it's, it's it, I think more people read preprints because of the immediacy. They see something in a context where they have a relationship with you. Not they have a relationship with Sci Archive, right? 
uh, or Archive Original or whatever else, and that makes them interested in what you're doing. Um, and that isn't necessarily a problem because some people have critical faculties that aren't confined just to their own field. Most people, really, if they're good at science. If you turn that into something that's kind of paraprofessional and you write a full blog, a lot more people will see it. I wrote a blog the other day that was, I was thinking about archetypes. I don't know why I had Jung on the brain. I which saw that. Never happens. Yeah. So I don't know how many people have read that in entirety. Let's find out right now. Probably not that many. It's, it's, it's somewhat niche. Okay. You- oh, that's, that's fun. It's three, two, one, zero. There you go. <laughs> and this three, was talking two, one, about the, the three, four, two, one, zero. The four yeah. types of researchers that you'll meet or you don't want to meet. Yeah. Okay. So that's look, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of words. I'd say this is I'm going to make a guess and say about eighteen hundred words. But I think you hit on something before. Or I think you were mm. going you you, you were going no, somewhere. On, I'm not I'm not through my continuum. Right now, it's designed to be broader. It's more accessible, and it's more appropriate for things that are about science. The twats. If you have a good twats, there's usually if you mean if you check the statistics. If you've said anything and people go, I agree with that a lot. It's fun to see how many people saw that. So let's take something that I said recently and talk about how many people saw that because I have I have not. It, this is not a thing I do daily, I, um, obviously, especially with the mice account. This is something that you learn how to do. So I was made a point the other day about public data sets and the fact that open mm. data is one thing and open data being neat and behaving itself uh, and being usable and being parsable and being not necessarily processed in one way or another has nothing to do with whether or not it's open. So, shit open data and extremely good data that you can get if you ask very nicely. Um, I'll take the second one. Thanks very much. The principle notwithstanding. So, the impressions on that tweet are 28,755. That's what happens when you get someone with 100,000 followers who retweets it though. Um, well, yeah, I suppose so. But the, the thing on this TikToks, I was reading about the sort of like the virality that's kind of built into- the kind of it's it's designed like that um and the the attention that's paid like primarily as far as i can tell to people pranking their pets or setting their aunt's feet on fire or, or <laughs> so, something that's sufficiently mature like that um is probably uh seven eight or nine figures yeah it's mental so every single every single one of these things has an inherent level of engagement and they're not wrong in and of themselves um, I don't think the, I don't know. I, I, I guess I was, I, I feel a lot less angry now. I think he was just being casual by the way it, it came across. And I'm surprised to a certain degree to find out that you had the comments that you had, which means obviously you've managed to encapsulate something that people needed to know. I always hope that, I think that I always hope that there's a new way to do something like this. And I've been disappointed so many times by things that you've gotten excited about. Because you lo- you like getting it. It's, like, it's not a bad thing. It's not a character flaw. But you you get awfully worked up about something that's there. And look, part of me likes that and part of me finds it unbelievably tiresome. I am only- Look, I've gotten less public 
with stuff I'm getting excited about because I don't want to be the boy who cried wolf. So there are very few things that, that now that I'm going, which we should really pay attention to this. I think the most recent one, which we spoke about in the last episode, was was Notion, and a lot of people from the podcast have actually used it and and, and are loving it. Yeah, I think mm. it's gonna, yeah, I think it's going to be big. Um, but w- one thing I do want to um, finish off with, which I th- which was a point I thought you were getting to, was that I think a lot of the success of these networks, but also preprints, is that when you see these things and you click on the links, you know what you're going to get. When you see a video, mm. when you see a TikTok video, you know this thing is not going to be longer than a minute. When um, when you see a, a, a link to a thread, you know this thread is not going to be more than 20 tweets. When you see a link to a preprint, you know I'm going to click on this link and it's going to take me straight to the preprint. I'm going to be able to read the thing. But the problem with journals is unless you know the journal, the specific journal, you don't know what's going to happen when you click on that link. Are you going to access it? Is there going to be a good HTML version? How is this going to work? And a lot of the, a lot of people aren't clicking on links because they're just like, well, I'm not even going to bother. Whereas when it comes to preprints and other forms of media, we know exactly what's going to happen when we click on those links, and it's going to and reduces friction in that way because it's more predictable. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't, you don't seem to agree. No, I. Uh, it's something that you you said first. There, it's like you know what you're going to get. When it comes to a video or something, it also is like, well, you know it's going to be a certain length. But mm. In another sense, you've already got it. Like, there's a seamless engagement with the thing. If you yeah. see something that's a preprint, you know, it's not immediately presented to you to start it reading. Frictionlessness in digital communication counts for heaps. Yes. For heaps. Um so the idea that it's already being inserted into you in a way that uh the twats sort of does. Kind of. Um, also, over which you have very little control. That's something that I've noticed about Twitter. If you want to say, look, hey, I don't want to see. I was talking to her and we had a great conversation. And now you're filling up my timeline with people that she knows. And I have no connection to these people. I certainly have no interest in spanks. I'm still not entirely sure what they are. Make this go away. You cannot do that. I'm curious as to whether if you, you mute them, do, do you mute the recommendations associated with them? I don't know. I don't know. I just, see, this is this is we actually know very little about how all mm. this is curated. I would honestly love a raw feed of everything that everyone I follow says. If you get different, I can parse information very quickly. That would be fun. If you get, maybe um, that would mean people follow less people. If you get an independent Twitter app, there are very few remaining now because Twitter is really holding the API together, uh, re- really yeah. sort of holding it down. But if you get an independent Twitter app, then you can get the feed. How you see it. Tweetbot is an example on the iPhone or the iPad. If you get Tweetbot, you will see the feed exactly how it's presented. No crazy algorithms. Really? Yes. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, look, all of this, it's interesting that this is, I mean, it, it, there might be people listening to this who think we've gotten off topic, but when it comes to the, the whole center of a great deal of science, is, is it seen or read in the first place? There's long, there's long, long, long journal articles where, in a in a in a fit of colossal irony, I feel like I'm the only fucker who's read them that are about <laughs> the utility of information. Like when it's published, is it cited? Where does it turn up? How does it work? Uh, uh, so much of this stuff isn't read. So much of it isn't cited. So many, you know, the implications are left on the table, etc. The idea that there are different ways to break it into pieces and show it to people, 
especially when it comes to dealing with something that may have these social slash digital characteristics themselves. So I am watching everyone in the digital world deal with the coronavirus bullshit right now. Mm. And there's a very interesting crossover between I'm a journalist, do I report on this preprint that already has uh, 1,700 retweets? Highest highest altmetric score that crazy preprint got. The preprint that was saying that that the coronavirus was man-made. It was yes, attractive. yes. Yeah, well, of course, it was, and it was removed straight away. And I got the impression without being in any way sure that that was done in good faith and that the authors were simply just not very good at science um, rather than they were kind of boosters. Because there's <laughs> yeah, some, I, I, there's I, I some get that horrible too. man, like maybe there's more than one actually. There's some horrible man floating around presenting himself as an expert on this. Oh, and I'm doing the work bloke. of everyone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah. I don't know who it is. Um, I've seen a lot of epidemiologists and virologists yeah. um, taking his name in vain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm screaming right at his face to shut his goddamn yap is what they're doing. Um, it's. So, like I said, I don't, I don't think we're getting off topic talking about this. I no. think this is something we should talk about more mm. because the, the, when it comes down to also to your own personal and the sort of raw competitive space of like you have to do something and it has to be fucking interesting. The one thing that's really, really good to get off everything that you do is feedback. And if you do something that's really amazing to you and you make yourself a TikTok and a twat thread like Dan – who's got twat enough to go around and then you write a blog on top of your preprint and then you get it published and no one gives a shit that either says something about you or it says something about everyone else. Right? Mm. Now, I've seen research that I think was really amazing and interesting that's been overlooked in a variety of channels. And I've seen things that were very heavily publicized by people who are obviously interested in their own self-publicity that I thought were two meters of knotted ass. So obviously there, it, it, it's not some kind of guarantee that there's going to be inherent virtue in something and that it's, it's going to make it popular. But the idea of the right people or even people who are interested enough in it to engage with it, not being able to see it, is leaving money on the table. And I wish more people, I'm going to be nice to you for about 10 seconds, I wish people had your curiosity about how to put things into the digital world in the sense that other people might be interested, it might be useful for them. If it was all dreadful boosting stuff, if your entire sort of digital narrative was I'm Dan and I'm extremely interesting and important and tickle me under the chin, no one would pay any attention. If it's useful for them and they like it and it's worth sharing, they will potentially send it to other people because God knows it's not happening because you're cool. (laughs) Definitely not. I do like you, Dan. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, I do. Look, this is all a learning thing. I'm trying to figure out what are people paying attention to and what different ways are they actually looking at getting information in, whether it's reading, whether it's videos, 
whether it's audio, <laughs> which is what we're doing right now, uh, I'm interested in actually seing. And these things shift over time as well. Mm. I'm just learning. There's one, there's one platform we haven't discussed, Dan. Instagram. That I have tried. And- I'm still uncertain as to how that would work for a lot of SciComp stuff. And I've seen some things on it. And a lot of it seems to be very kind of formulaic, I suppose. Marketers have ruined Instagram very quickly. That is the problem. Um, And essentially what has happened is that there is so many eyeballs on Instagram, the only way to get attention is A, to pay for it through advertising, or B, to hit the the formulaic stuff. Yeah. Um, whether it's in the posts or in, in in Instagram stories. And there's only – Instagram has become too much of a highlights reel in that you have to get the perfect shot or the perfect story. Um, stories have sort of helped that a little bit, um, but I think that's what's driven a lot of people away. And Instagram, okay. did, something very, Instagram did something very interesting um, a few months ago in that they turned off the ability for others to see how many likes a post Yes, I read about that. Now, let's keep in mind- Interesting experiment. This was not because Facebook, who was the owner of Instagram, feels like they're being very nice and they're looking after the mental health of their users. (laughs) (laughs) Did someone propose that? Yes. Well, they they essentially said that as well. Billions and billions of dollars and they're going to make a decision on the basis that it helps people feel better. Yes. If every every single one of you woke up next uh, tomorrow morning and put strychnine in your coffee and dropped dead, (laughs) all they'd think about is the loss to their user base. Exactly. So, the reason- They do not care about you or anyone or any cause or any individual collective thing. They are a company. They do big psychopathic corporate em- entity, and if they said that it's about improving mental health, they're lying through their fucking teeth. It's going to have something to do with some algorithm and some ability to have the whole thing continue to retain relevance and make sense. Now you're going to tell me what it is. That is spot on. Um, right. They they essentially they tested this in a few different markets. New Zealand is a popular market for this, so it's like mm. it's like mini 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 America. Yeah. Sort of a white, sort of mm. mainly Anglo, sort of sort of sort of culture, but you can actually okay. constrain it into a population of five million or however many ki- Kiwis there are. And they obviously 12. found twelve million. Really? No, twelve people. Four people. <laughs> Four people. Yeah. Look, they 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 ran the data, they ran the test, and actually found out. But but by doing this, not only did people actually post more, but they engaged more. And the important thing about engagement is actually posting posting more stuff because people didn't feel about oh um a lot of people were, were, were leaving posts on the table. You see anecdotes. My 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 niece, she's sixteen, she's awesome. I love her, but I see her and all the friends taking like twenty Instagram shots, getting the perfect shot, um, and then going, "Well, this, this is not going to be good anyway," and they don't even post anything because they're thinking about how many likes this is going to get. A lot of people basically post their photo, and if they don't get a certain threshold of likes. Um, after sort of 10 minutes, they go, no, nah, screw this. This isn't a good post. So, essentially, people weren't posting stuff. And if you don't post stuff, the whole network, the whole network is going to collapse. By taking away likes, uh, then people will be like, well, I'm just going to put my stuff out there because there's no pressure. And I think that's a fantastic idea. So, that was the reasoning behind Instagram making that decision. Now, some people are saying people are going to do the same thing for Twitter because that's essentially the same thing. A lot of people I know, I've heard behind sort of closed doors of, if I post something, if I don't reach a certain amount of likes after 10 minutes, I just delete the tweet because it's embarrassing to have a tweet without enough likes. Have, have you ever done that? I have deleted a tweet because I thought it's not funny 
as in like I, th- I think there was one or two that I'm like, oh, I'm kind of punching down or making fun of someone that I shouldn't be making fun of. Um, but I've never done it because like, oh, this isn't funny enough. This hasn't got enough. I, I have posted so many tweets knowing this is going to get zero likes and I don't give a shit. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that when you don't actually care about these things. So, I've actually heard rumblings that- Actually never crossed my mind to do that. I yeah, so I do. I, it if have, a- I, I, I have deleted things previously, almost exclusively, because someone's written to me to say this is either like dangerous or has genuinely hurt my feelings for some particular reason. Mm. And I'd never put anything that I say on a sort of like, ah, you could you could ring your big free speech bell at that point in time, but I don't really want to make anyone's life more difficult. Sure. I'm just inherently unpleasant sometimes so that's what happens when you talk and on that basis you know this is always always within a couple of minutes you know this is um yeah but the idea that like no one paid attention i i liked it yeah (laughs) and i I, but here's the thing though the rest of you just have to deal with it here (laughs) here James, you're going to like this. Here is the dark side of this, yeah? So, people- This this is like galaxy brain stuff right here. I've seen some guides on academics academics on Twitter basically Mm. saying, throw out a bad tweet every now and then because if all your tweets seem incredibly curated, then you're going to seem like a booster. So, throw out- Bad tweet. How do you know that in advance? Well, okay, we we both know the tweets that we find this stuff interesting, yeah. I did a tweet about um, uh, Billie Eilish's hit song. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it was called. Is, is she the 19-year-old sociopath with purple hair and eyes yeah, that yeah, she yeah. bought off the internet? She, her song samples the noise that pedestrian crossings make in Sydney. Isn't that cool? I thought it was cool. Hmm. So, okay. so the, the number, number one hit song right in the chorus in the background has the the sample of a Sydney pedestrian crossing, an Australian pedestrian crossing. Oh, this is cool. I posted it. I knew this is not going to get new likes. I still posted it anyway because I thought it was very interesting. But I've seen guides saying, hey, so you don't seem like a booster, throw out a bad tweet every now and then so people don't think that you're just using this platform to to, to get more followers, which is what we, which, which is what this guide is really all about. So, that's that's the dark I- side of that. That's the, the, the disappearing down the rabbit hole of trying to meta plan how you appear to other people. Yeah, seems yeah, yeah. Like the most fruitless postmodern it's excursion. Dark. It's dark, into, man. It's, it's bleak. It's very bleak. That's like anyone who wrote that. If you're listening, then take the previous Strickland advice seriously <laughs> because that's-, that's, that's just, super look, that bleak, makes, man. That makes me want to leave the planet. <laughs> leave the platform. Fuck your vanity. Yeah. So, look, pe- people are thinking about this, but coming back to it, um, Twitter- um, I haven't heard Twitter proposing this. People have said if Instagram is, has done this, they've done this because of it's a, there's a strong business case behind it. And if uh-huh. that's the case, there's potentially a strong business case- um, behind Twitter doing the same thing. If people, like, I, I had a discussion, a lot of um, early career researchers I chat to when I talk about Twitter, they're like, i got nothing to share. And they're, they're very, very worried about the stuff they're sharing is not going to get enough likes or is not interesting enough. Likes. But if this, if this whole idea of the, the public likes were taken away, then I think this would make a difference. And the other thing people proposed is, let's take away follower numbers. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, like, and because because a lot of people are sort of 
doing doing it for the followers and they, they have these weird strategies where they follow a lot of people and unfollow them later which is which is almost as bleak as the other strategy as well oh, don't just don't think mm. if you're the kind of person who thinks about anything like this i think you've got to be so fundamentally unattractive that you're going to lose long term anyway. yeah exactly exactly the and- single best the king the queen and the whole royal court of why the fuck you'd bother doing any of this in the first place is replies it's social media it's not fucking social boosting it's not a substitute for you coming up with your own feelings i like it when i post a silly thing and people like it because i know it amuses them when i i had this feeling like other people are going to really like this. I don't just put it on my Twitter. I send it to people that I know. So, like this morning, right? I was sitting on the train. A fucking pigeon walked on. <laughs> oh, that, that's gold. Walked, lo- 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 walked lo- on lo- the train <laughs> like he was a commuter. Did you t- did you post this? Shit in the character. No, no. It's just, this is like things like this happen all the time. It's just I don't have the inherent it, it, it sort in, of brain pipeline. Ah, oh, traffic sucks this morning. He walked on. He walked on. <laughs> and he walked up and down the carriage. Looking like for a seat. And it was a he because he had the pigeons are weirdly pretty when you really look at them. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the translucent, the purple. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he was a very glossy, good-looking pigeon, and he had that kind of pimp walk. Oh, yeah, that, that I know the one. I thought he was shaft, and he was pimp walking like- up and down the carriage, and the train pulled into Central Station, and he went up to the door, and the door opened, and he just went, boop, hey, and The pigeon knew. Off. <laughs> oh, mate, you should have filmed the whole thing. That would have been amazing. I, I, I love stories like I was, that. I was thinking about something else. I didn't have the presence of mind. I got a blurry photo of the pigeon. It's blurry because I was laughing. <laughs> Uh. See, now, something like that, right? You don't think, it's like, if your first thought is other people are going to find this as charming and as funny as I do, and I want them to enjoy that, that seems fine. If the idea is this will make other people like me more. It's mental. If that's your motivation, I, look, I don't think you ever lose money betting on people's sort of vanity and need for approval but oh this is i i if you i don't know maybe therapy um maybe maybe psychedelics if you live somewhere where they're legal maybe move to amsterdam and um take a bunch of mushrooms and see if you can sort your head out because that's that will if you think like that i think that will make you sad long term yeah it will and it's unsustainable it's absolutely unsustainable Oh yeah, I imagine there's a diminishing returns, and it gets it get it gets a bit sort of uh, barbiturity at some point in time, doesn't it? You just you just you just need to go for the for the higher for the higher dose until you're until you're speedballing into your yeah, that's like the 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 fentanyl of the digital yeah. world. That's so bad here right now that if you look at the um the uh the the, the what are they called the billboards the the things on the train with the advertising. Mm. Um, whoever makes Narcan has bought one on most stations. What's, what's Narcan? Uh, the the opiate antagonist. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't oh know. God, you don't even. Oh Christ! This has been in the news a lot. Like, what should we do? Should we know? Like, because fentanyl is such a potent synthetic opioid that it's really, really easy to screw up dosaging. And you put a little bit of it in someone's whatever. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, people want to get messed up. Um, you put a little bit in, and then all of a sudden, you've got a colossal overdose. 
So Narcan nasal inhalers, I've been watching and being advertised for, uh, oh, shit, maybe a month, maybe more. No no drug advertising here. Mm. <laughs> Super illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, but that is drug advertising that's designed to stop other people from dying from drugs. Yeah. The whole point being, you don't want your digital life to be like that. Think of us as your Narcan in your uh in in your walk away from your hideous collective vanity. I mean, if we had a lot of vanity, we probably wouldn't look like this. No, I mean we have different <laughs> reasons. Yours is genetic. Mine is a, a, a lack of kind of sartorial attention, I suppose. I'm capable of looking pretty, Dan. It's just sort of yeah, like 90, 97th on my list of things to do, past lone Persian. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the press shot. Look, we're going to wrap up for this episode. Um, it, it's gone over, over time, but I, I think it's been- No, uh, this is- we this haven't, is we haven't had a We haven't had a proper, a proper a spill out episode yeah. for a while. Thanks for listening this far. We can actually see how far people listen to as well. How's that for yeah. data? How's that for data? Yeah. yeah I'll take your metrics- Take yeah, you're all being metricized. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a funny download bump the way we did with the episode the other day. Anyway, I want to include a special thank you to everyone who's still on our Patreon. Now we have a supporter and we have silly merchandise. There mm. are still people mm. who make a proper commitment to keep us talking shit for fun. And God knows occasionally some of this might even be useful. So whoever you are, every single one of you, is a goddamn hero in a failed planet surrounded by worms and scum. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks' time. <laughs>